Thanks for checking out this message from River Valley Church in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you. For more messages like this, make sure to check out our podcast. And for more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. You know, we've been in the series talking about the church and the power of the church, the power of what God has instituted in us and who's gathered here, not in this building, not, not in any building, but in the middle of what's happening here. And, uh, and, and I just, I think right along with what Pastor Tim's saying, as we, as we enter into talking about the church here for a little bit, I think it's a good thing for us just to remember the church is not helpless. The church is not abandoned. But the church is definitely more covered, cared for, and protected by the king than ever before. And so in our lives, in the middle of living in, in crazy, crazy times, we can land on the fact that he has not left us. Isaiah 43 is a really, really cool passage. I was just going to read this over to you as we, as we enter in here this morning. And, uh, and, and if, you've, if you've seen the show, The Chosen, this is a really famous uh, piece of scripture that they pull in here. But it says uh, in verse 1, But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, Don't be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I'll be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. And the flames will not consume you. And I just want to speak that into your spirit this morning as we enter into talking about the church. And really, we're going to be talking about a section of the church and the life of the church where there was some persecution that happened. There was some stuff happening in the church that was, it was downright scary. People died. People were being arrested. People were being hurt. It, it was a scary time for the church if you forget this one thing. If you get your eyes off of the king and the fact that he is the one who's ransomed, protected, guarded, held you up, then it, they were in a time that was, that was very scary. Their, their loved ones were getting uh, taken away and some of them killed. You know, it was interesting. I don't know if you've seen any of this, but there's, the, there's this um, documentary on, uh, it's called Sh- uh, Sheep, Sheep and Wolves Clothing or something like that, but it's about the church in uh, Afghanistan. And it's really interesting because in the morning, uh, when, when a couple will, will get up for the day and they're getting ready for their day, part of their normal routine, they were interviewing some of these women, because the church is, is led by women, by the way, too, which is pretty incredible. Uh, they would sit there, and it's a normal morning reoccurrence for the husband and wife to say, all right, well, I love you. I might not see you again. And if I don't come back, carry on. And... Uh, and it's, it's interesting because this is the same setting that the church is in. And so as we step into the story today, as we step into um, the book of Acts and we talk about the church, I want us to understand that they're in a season that is really dark. And, and it's very different than, I think, the darkness that we're experiencing here in America. But I do want us to be able to attach some of the feelings and emotions that we're having because they're real and attach those with something that is happening in our world right now. And so just as we dive in, just have that in your, the, your, your frame of reference of what was going on in the church. It was so unsettled. And if there's anything we can say about the church right now, it's so unsettled. But yet it's not. And that's what we're going to talk about. 
So just a reminder as we get into the book of Acts today, uh, the book of Acts was a place that was talking about the early church and their gathering, right? We, we, we've discussed this word, the church, and the Bible word for it. Anybody remember what it is, the Bible word for church? Come on, anybody? Ecclesia, yeah. And do you know what it simply means? Gathering. Just a gathering of people together. So can I just tell you, this is the ecclesia right here today. And when you have some people over to your house and you're sharing a meal together and you're enjoying time together, it's the ecclesia. The church that Jason's talking about in Afghanistan that has to meet in the basements of homes where five or six gather together, it's the ecclesia. It's a gathering of people together. Now, specifically in Scripture, we see this gathering of people had a very specific purpose, right? We see that this early ecclesia, this early church was, was commissioned by Jesus for some very, very specific things. And can I tell you, one of those things was not comfort. Everybody's like, that's it, we're leaving. These guys are jerks today. It's snowing, it's cold outside. They were supposed to make us feel better. I'm going to make you feel better, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to embrace the Word of God for what it wants to teach us today. The early church had a mission, and, and they did not sign up on the dotted line for comfort. They didn't sign up on the line for their own opinion. They didn't sign up on the dotted line for, for what was going to better them in society. They signed up for a kingdom that was not of this world. They signed up to follow a Jesus who was persecuted and died on a cross. They signed up to be a part of a family that would walk with one another no matter what took place around them. And that's what we see out of the early church. And, and the early church kind of started with a lot of fun, right? Like, they started with this reality of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and 3,000 people were added to the church in one day. Like, man, this was exciting. This was like, this was like the, the best of the best times for the church, and they were having a blast, and they were worshiping together, and they were gathered together in each other's homes, and they were sharing food, and you guys look like you're asleep this morning. And Man, they were having a blast. Come on, church. They were having, their worship services were awesome. Chris Tomlin was leading worship. I'm just kidding. He wasn't. Come on now. They were in this place of just like, wow, it doesn't get any better than this. And then all of a sudden, some stuff started changing. All of a sudden, the Roman government didn't like what they were doing so much, and the Pharisees and the religious leaders of their time were like, yeah, no, this Jesus thing's getting a little too popular. Some things started to change about their gatherings together. Some things started to really shift, and we begin to see this unfold in Acts chapter 7, and it begins to, to un unveil for us a little bit about what the church started to go through that was not comfortable. That was not, quote, unquote, fun. That was not, well, the American dream. And the church began to have this metamorphosis that began to take place inside of who they were. And we see this really cool example of what that looks like. Jason, talk to us a little bit about Acts chapter 7 and this, this dude that we're introduced to. Yeah, so this dude. This dude, uh, his name was Stephen. Uh, in, in the church that was meeting together, there was a guy, his, his name was Stephen, and he had this incredible gift where he could go into the temple and just start telling people about Jesus. And it was really cool. He was a very bold individual filled with the Holy Spirit, and he went and he would just, it, it was amazing. He would preach and he would proclaim the kingdom of heaven, and it was just this phenomenal thing that took place. But then the organized church, the temple, 
they took notice of what was happening and they didn't like what he was doing. Because like Jesus, he spoke against a lot of their traditions, a lot of their ways of doing things that were not out of any kind of relationship or love for God, but just simply out of doing things. And so he started to talk. You can imagine the religious leaders are like, wait a second, I thought we took care of this guy, you know, like, and now we got another one who's doing the same thing, right? And so Stephen stood up, and in uh, Acts 7, the Jewish says this, that the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation. This is after, after they arrested him for speaking in the temple. They took him, and they were putting him on trial, a wrongful trial. They, uh, they were infuriated, and they shook their fists at him in rage. Again, false accusations towards Stephen. But listen to this. This is, this is the powerful thing, and this is true for Stephen, but it can be true for our lives as the church, too. But Stephen, key phrase, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And then listen to this. They put their hands on their ears and began shouting. They didn't even want to hear the truth that he was proclaiming. And they rushed at him and they dragged him out of the city and they began to stone him. His accusers took off his coat and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As as they stoned him, Stephen prayed, This is amazing. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Uh, An amazing testimony of a man who exemplifies what we are called to be, what we are called to do. Are we going to be stoned in our life? Probably not. Some of you might. Are we going to be persecuted for what we say and what we believe in? Probably in some way, shape, or form, you will be. But what I love about Stephen is there's so many qualities that are wrapped up in, uh, in how he lived. And there's some really cool things that happened with the church. So we're going to watch a video that kind of, this is, this is for um, entertainment's sake. No, that kind of uh, highlights the season of what was going on in the church. So let's watch that. The bigger problem is coming from the outside. Yeah, from the other temple. Its leaders are threatened by this new messianic movement, and so they arrest the apostles, they try to stop them. And this brings us to the final story in the Jerusalem section of Acts. We're introduced to a new disciple, Stephen. Oh yeah, Stephen, he's on fire. He steps up as a leader among the disciples to serve the poor, and he would go to the temple courts to teach people about the way of Jesus. So the temple leaders arrest Stephen, and they find false witnesses to accuse him of dishonoring Moses and of being a terrorist who's threatening the temple. In response, Stephen gives this powerful speech about how predictable this whole situation was. Yeah, he retells the whole Old Testament story, highlighting characters like Joseph, Moses, and the prophets, people who are consistently rejected and persecuted by their own people. Israel's been resisting God's representatives for centuries, and so their rejection of Jesus and now of his followers is a rejection of God himself. They get angry, and they start to execute him by picking up rocks and smashing him to death. And as he's dying, he commits himself to the way of Jesus, to suffer because of the sins of others. He even cries out, Lord, don't hold the sin against them. This is basically what Jesus said at his death. Exactly. The bigger problem is coming from the outside. Yeah, from the other temple. Once is good. You guys want to watch it again? I'm just kidding. Just kidding. 
You know, when we, when we look at Stephen's life, and we look at what's taking place in the early church at this time, we have to ask ourselves, how would, how would we respond? How does this translate into the culture and time in which we live? How do, how do we take what we see the early church processing through and walking through, and how do we, how do we bring it into what we're experiencing? Because we, we talked about this at the beginning. Each one of us are experiencing something different in the time in which we live right now. Each one of us are experiencing some, some difficulty, some turmoil, some, some emotions, some things that we're processing through right now with what we see happening around us in our culture. And, and the question for us is, is how, do we, how do we take the example of the early church and how they responded to these situations? And how do we, how do we walk in the character and nature of Christ in the time in which we live. Because it's easy for us to read about it. It's even easy for us to watch a, a, a video about a guy named Stephen and be like, man, he's cool. I like that guy. Well, well done. But the question is, is how does, that, how does that translate into how we, as followers of Jesus, like, like Stephen was following Jesus, how does that look in our culture? How does that look in our day and age? Because here, here's the reality. There's, there's a lot of polarities that are going on right now. There's a lot of things that are going on both in our culture and in our Christian culture to pull us into certain directions. And can I just bring this to you this morning? The direction that we should be leaning towards is a direction that Jesus is going in. And so for your life and for your family and for students, your, your school environment, and, and those of you that are in workplaces, no matter what's going on around you as the church, as followers of Jesus, our bend has to not be towards our emotions or our feelings, but towards what Jesus is doing. And we see this exemplified beautifully in the life of Stephen. I'm pretty sure that Stephen's goals in life were not to get arrested and stoned. I don't think that was anywhere in his plan as a guy when he was growing up, like, hey, here's, here's my dream job. I want to get stoned, right? Like that, that was not in his heart, but what he was doing was following Jesus and the pattern that Jesus set. And Jesus was preaching the kingdom of God. Jesus was out meeting the needs of the poor. Jesus was out uh, teaching of the, the good news of the kingdom of God. And so Stephen said, well, that's what I'm going to do. I am a follower of Jesus. And my question for you this morning is, as followers of Jesus, are we following where he is leading? Are we doing what he did? Are we letting our lives shine like Stephen did, even if that means some persecution is going to come to our lives? You know, my kids and I were doing devotions this week, and, and it just happened on, on Tuesday as we were sitting down together. Um, we were walking through uh, our daily devotion together, and it just happened to be that this week we started a four-part series on the purpose of the church. Ironically, we as a church are going through a series called The Church, and it's just, it's just talking and discussing what is the purpose? Why does the church exist? And we see this revealed in what we've been talking about the early church. And we see this revealed in the life of Stephen. And my kids were, like, my kids were really confused because as we were walking through our devotion together, the, the guy who, was, uh, who had written the devotion said, you know, really the mission and the purpose of the church is not very complicated. It's Jesus made a bold declaration that it's to love God, to love people. Right? Like, this is the mission. This is the essence of the church. We see Stephen doing the same thing. He was honoring God, and he was loving people. 
He was on mission. He was taking care of people in the, the early church. And my kids asked me this simple question, well, dad, how come this seems so hard? And I was kind of stuck in that moment. Like I was like, dang it, I hate it when they ask me hard questions. Right? Like, I just wanted to give the Jesus answer, but that Jesus answer didn't fit in that moment. Like, I really had to process this, and I said, you know, really the reason it's so hard is because we make it really hard. It's not because the mission, it's not because of what we've asked to do is hard. It's because we make it really complicated. We try to put all these caveats to it, and that's what the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees had done. They had made following Jesus like or they'd made following the Word of God and being a, a God follower really difficult. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up on the scene, and Jesus is like, well, no, no here, here's what it is. Just love God and love people. And the Pharisees are like, well, that does not fit into our rules. And so the church was really wrestling through this. And can I tell you, these people were still wrestling through that. But Stephen was a beautiful example of what it meant to live your life on mission, and to not be distracted by all the other things that were going on around them. To not get caught up in the political climate of their time. To not be out riding against Rome because they just didn't like the taxes. To not be wasting their time on things that were not kingdom-minded. And Stephen set this beautiful example for the church to follow. Stephen was actually the first martyr the first one to die for the gospel, and he did it in a way that reflected Jesus in an incredible way to us. And he set an example for the early church of how to be a follower of Jesus. And the shape of his life and the way that he was living set the stage for that in such an incredible way. I think that the, where, where this comes down to for us, you know, talking about how does this, the church and the reality of what was happening fit into our world right now, <clears throat> I think that every one of us in our, in our lives has pressure points, moments of tension where the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of the world, those things conflict, right? And they come against each other. And, and that looks different for each one of us. For some of us, it's, <laughs> it's our marriage. It's really, really a pressure point to keep kingdom-minded in the middle of our marriage, or maybe with our kids, or maybe at school, right? Um, students, maybe it's at school, right? It's really hard to continue to live this life that shines Christ when everyone that you know there is speaking the exact opposite, is speaking against what you believe, is even coming against your beliefs where you have to sit there. And, and, and this is the thing that happens is when these pressure points take place, this is the essence of what Stephen and the church would do in those moments where culture and the world was coming against what they believed. They didn't just cave and say, well, yeah, you're probably right because a lot of people think the way you do. So you, you must be right because the majority says what you think. But the church stood up and said, no, listen, we are going to base what we believe and the way we live on what Jesus said and how he said to live life. And there was, there's this conflict that takes place. And I realized that we all face that pressure point in our life in different ways, right? Um, and, and you probably start to think through, what are, some of those, I, what are some of those areas in my life where they really become pressure points? Where on a daily basis, I find myself in this conflict of the kingdom and the world, right? I find myself in this conflict where every time I talk to that person, man, it rubs because it's just they believe so different than me. 
No matter how you voted, no matter what your political bent is, no matter what you believe about some of these issues that we are dealing with in our society today, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to abortion, when it comes to all these different things that happen, what is your stance? Because you are always going to come up against someone who believes opposite than you. And the only grounding perspective that you can have is the word of God. You cannot land any other place. And so I find it really powerful that this is what the church did. So the question today, and as we um, transition kind of into discussion time and and what we're going to be talking through here, we are going to talk through this question. Where is that pressure point for you? In your life, where's the pressure point that constantly comes at you where you have to either make a choice to align with the kingdom and what Jesus taught or align with the world and sometimes, dare I say it, what your friends or your family are thinking? Where are those pressure points? We're going to talk about this a little bit in our discussion today is where those pressure points are. And then the second part of the question is this, and you can put those questions up if you want. What is your practical response going to be in regards to that pressure point? What is, what is that going to be? Think about right now an ongoing situation where you constantly rub up against this fight of aligning with the kingdom and aligning with the word of God or aligning with the world. Think about that. And in our discussion, I want us to think through, okay, this week, I, I'm, I'm thinking this as well. This week, when I engage conversation with that person, what am I going to say? What's going to be the declaration of my mouth? I hope that it's one of boldness in declaring the word of God in the middle of the situation, right? And that's what we're going to discuss a little bit today. Yeah, and I just want to invite us as we get into this time this morning, I can just kind of feel it in the room. We're just kind of, oh. There's some weight to what we're talking about here. Can we just acknowledge that? Like there's some weight to this reality of how we represent Christ in the culture and day and age in which we're in. And can I tell you, you're probably going to be in a group with somebody who might have a different perspective than you. And here's what Jesus' command was for us, to love one another, to understand one another. Not just to, to say, this is my right, this is the way that I think you're wrong, but to pause for a moment and to let God put inside of you the ability to be compassionate and to, to hear. And I'm not, I'm not trying to get you to change your mind in any way, shape, or form, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to represent Christ how Christ represented himself. And that was Jesus hung out with people who were very different than him, who had very different opinions in him, and he loved them. He actually hung out and had lunch with them. He spent time with them. He heard kind of their processing that they were working through. And from that place, Jesus walked with them in their journey of life. Can I just say that, church, we don't do that very well with each other. And we certainly don't do that very well with the people that we're around in our world. And the reason why we're asking these specific questions this morning is is this. I'm a father, and I want to prepare my kids for the things of life that they're going to face that are going to be real challenges for them. And I don't want them to have to make a decision in the moment. I want them to already have made that decision through a conversation with me 
or another trusted person in their life before they even get to the pressure moments. What do I mean by that? I mean parents and grandparents in the room. We want our kids and our grandkids to know how to make the decision when somebody comes up to them and says, hey, I want you to to do some drugs, or hey, I want you to go do this really stupid, foolish, dangerous thing, or hey, uh, like it's any, any, any scenario you want to put into your mind. Parents, we want our kids to be prepared for those moments. We don't want them reacting in the moment to the decision they need to make. And here's the problem. Way too many of us as Christians never think about the conversations or the moments that we're going to have with people until we're in the moment and we're like, what do I do? We never think about it. We never ask the Holy Spirit to actually prepare our heart for that moment and to have a word in us for that moment. I want my kids, when somebody looks at them and says, hey, come, come on, we're going to go to this party and we're going to do drugs, I want them to look at them and be like, are you out of your mind? I've got a life to live. No thanks. Like, I, I want that to, to be a decision for them that they never even have to even think through. They already made that decision sitting on my couch or in the front seat of our car or when we're having a milkshake. We already had that conversation. For them, it's not even a thing. But for too many of us as believers, we are caught way off guard when somebody shares with us a differing opinion than what we have, and we're shocked. And church, we just, we need the Holy Spirit to come and do a work inside of us. We need to be able to have a response in the moment that reflects the kingdom of God, not just our emotional response right there. We need to have our hearts postured and positioned by the work of the Holy Spirit in us so that we can actually be Jesus in the world that we live in. Are you guys with me today? And so we're going to take a few minutes and discuss this together, and I promise you it's going to get really uncomfortable. That was supposed to be funny. It's going to get uncomfortable for us in some of our conversations. Can I say that's okay? Like, let's process through that together. Let's have some of this, this conversation, because if we can't do it as the church here, I promise you, you don't stand a chance out there. Not a chance. And so let's, let's have some conversations this morning. And then what it's going to lead us into is a time of praying for each other, a ministering to each other, and, and praying that, that God, where I, where I feel like I don't have the right words, or God, I just, I don't like that situation, so I'm going to try to avoid it, that the Holy Spirit would come and bring some boldness in us to be able to say, no, I'm going to be a representative of the kingdom of God. I'm going to be like Stephen. And even when people are throwing stones at me and making fun of me and mocking me, I'm going to say, God, don't hold that against them, please. Are you guys with me today? Like all too many of us want to just jump right back into social media and trash somebody else. But, but, but that's not the example we had set in Scripture. Scripture says, hey, love that person. Pray for them. Stephen, while he was be hit, being hit with rocks, while all these other people were gathered around, didn't look at them and say, hey, you guys are all going to hell. Your political views are the wrong ones. You're toast. That's not what he said. He said, Father, just forgive them. Where did he learn that from? A guy named Jesus the one he said he was following. And so church, I'm, I just, I'm going to boldly say we got a lot to learn in this. And so today we're just going to be humble with each other. We're going to walk together in this. We're going to go before God. We're going to let him do some work in us as we prepare for the weeks and months that are ahead of us, because I guarantee you these conversations are coming. And we need to be prepared by the Holy Spirit to love people well in those moments, to have ears to hear, but also be able to stand on the truth of the Word of God as we head into this season. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to jump into our groups together so you guys can start moving right now. For those of you that are online, we love you guys. We want you to take just a few minutes and have these conversations together. Maybe you're at home or maybe you're with some friends. Take a few minutes and go through these questions. We love you guys. God bless you. 
Thanks again for listening to this message. Do you know someone who'd be blessed by it? Make sure to share it with them this week.